All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's your Uncle Jimmy once again coming to you from the Rock and Roll Garage with a live broadcast of the Grease the Wheels podcast for automotive technicians. Now today, the subject I want to talk to you about is the tool guys who come to your shop. And I'm not talking about the tool companies. I'm talking mostly about the tool guys. Now I've worked in a lot of different dealerships. I think a lot of you have too. And you've had different tool guys in different places and some of them are good and some of them are bad. And there's a good reason for some of them being bad. And when you find one that is good, you need to hold on to them and cherish them like a uh, beloved Christmas gift, okay? Because being a tool guy is hard fucking work. It's tough. It's not one of these jobs where this guy's gonna roll up with his own personal car and it'll be a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce or anything. Nobody, nobody is getting rich selling tools out of a tool truck. And the one thing that I find is, and I've had a a lot of different tool guys, like I said, they all have different personalities. They all have different levels of uh, commitment to their job, and they all have different goals. And quite frankly, one of the things you're gonna find is that they all have a different level of enthusiasm for, well, the brand, their job, their life, you, your shop, and the things that you need. And it's really, I don't wanna say it's unusual because I have known a lot of tool guys who are dedicated and hardworking. And these are the kind of guys that you as a technician need to kind of support, okay? Because if somebody goes out of their way to make sure that you have the tools and the equipment that you need and they come by every week and they see you to see if you have warranty tools that are, you know, tools that were broken and you need to have replaced, or maybe to drop off a flyer and point out a tool that you talked about previously. And maybe they've taken an interest in what you got going on in your life a little bit. You know, I mean, they talk to you about maybe dogs or cars or guns or drinking or all of the above. You you need to kind of help these guys out. You need to kind of save your tool purchases for these kind of people, the people that are working hard and are are personable and and do a good job and are diligent and, and timely. And as a technician, I have found that within one brand, the the major brand that I see all the time is definitely Snap-on. I think wherever I have worked, we have always had a Snap-on tool guy. Uh, And for the most part, he is typically uh, shows up in the shop at a specific time every week, maybe within a couple, two, three hours. It depends on how his day is going Uh, because they have a lot of other stops that they need to make as well. And they have a lot of other things that are going on. And what I find in a, in a large majority of cases is that they have trouble with those damn trucks that they use. And that's a, that's a universal thing across the board for tool guys, okay? They have these uh, giant trucks that they drive around that are full of tools. And these things seem to break on a very, very regular basis. And when they got to get these things fixed, first off, they have to endure, uh, they have to endure an, an enormous amount of jokes about how they'll pay for the repair 50 bucks a week for the next two years or something like that. But it's not really a joke because these things are expensive as shit to fix and they can't they can't even hardly work with, I mean, they can. I mean, they could show up at your place, you know, in their, uh, you know, their 2015 Malibu, but they're not gonna have all the tools that they usually have with them. They're not gonna be able to go, yeah, I got that on the truck, but the truck's not here. So there's that. And on top of that, they have to buy the tools typically, 
and then try to sell them. So there's an investment, not only in the truck, but also in the inventory. So this, these are things that you have to remember when you see a tool guy and he shows up every week, this guy is already invested. He has already made the commitment to do what he does and he has made a commitment to be there. And if you need something from him, God damn it, you should probably buy it from him. And I mean, if he's if he's doing a good job. Now I've had uh, probably seven, uh, six or seven different snap-on guys at uh, different various locations where I've worked. And out of that seven, I'd say all but about two of them were really good guys, guys who worked hard and did the job right and uh, were the kind of guys you could talk to about whatever and not just tools. And I, I always appreciated them. I thought that, that what they did was... Uh, uh, not a very good job. I didn't feel like that was the kind of job that really anybody would want to do. I had a friend of mine, actually, who was a snap-on guy back in the 80s. And uh, I don't believe that it was actually uh, even remotely lucrative for him. He didn't do it for very long. It wasn't the kind of job that he liked or wanted to do, and, and it ended up costing him a lot of money. So if you're thinking about it, uh, you got to think long and hard, okay? There's a, an enormous commitment, time, energy, money, uh, real estate. I know that uh, a lot of these guys ha are renting a warehouse somewhere to uh, store tools or toolboxes, and then there's got to be security there because that stuff's all expensive. And they, they also have to battle, I mean, really honestly, do battle with like Mac and Matco and, and Cornwell, all these other tool companies that come around. And then in one particular case, we had a, a, a store in my hometown that a guy would load up a pickup truck with some of the more popular tools that he sells in the store and come around as a tool guy, as a tool truck guy, and try to sell them out of the back of the truck. He wasn't even a franchisee of any of these uh, brands of tools. He just said, hey, here's some tools I threw in a truck. I brought them down here to see if you needed any of this stuff, you know, and I'll give you a good deal on it because, well, you know, I mean, they buy it, they have to sell it, they want to mark it up a lot. Maybe they just mark it up a little and they want to sell it. And then, of course, then there's Harbor Freight, which is, uh, I don't know, you know, the first time I saw Harbor Freight was about 20 years ago or so, because I live in the East and we didn't have them in the East. You had them in the West quite a bit. And I was like a kid in a candy store when I first went in there. I thought, wow, all these tools, you know, and they have them all. And, and, and there's no hiding it. Obviously, it's called Harbor Freight because the shit's all made in China. Okay. They're not fooling anybody. Nobody's nobody's going in there expecting something made in the United States of America. And if they are, they're just fucking stupid, okay? I mean, it's all stuff made in China. And sometimes the quality, and I use the word sometimes because I found some stuff in there that does the job just fine. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not, uh, I'm not ashamed or humiliated to say that I buy stuff there. It's just too damn convenient to not go there, especially when they open one right in my little hometown where I'm from. Uh, but at most part, their tools are not that great, okay? Let's just call a spade a spade here. Their tools are, some of them are, some of them are shit. You know, they don't work right. They break really easy. And uh, they're, not, they're not even safe to use in some cases, you know? I mean, something like a wrench. Sure, you can use a wrench. But if you're a professional and you're using a wrench 10 times a month or 10 times a week and you get a higher freight tool and you're using it to do this job where you need to turn maybe 10, 12, 20 fasteners with a wrench. After a while, the wrench is gonna wear out on you a lot faster than a snap-on wrench would. It's just the way it is. That's It's just the difference in metallurgy. It's just the difference in the uh, amount of carbon in the tool itself, which makes it hard or harder, 
which attributes to the hardness of the tool. And then there's the chrome or whatever finish it has on it. Sometimes that's poor, okay? So if you're a pro and you're out there using uh, all Harbor Freight tools, you're probably gonna wanna upgrade at some point because you're gonna get tired of having to go back to Harbor Freight with all this broken shit. And honestly, some of that stuff does not have a warranty on it whatsoever. And they just look at you and go, yeah, you know, what do you want us to do with that, you know? I mean, there's nobody there who's gonna really be able to help you by knowing if a socket will fit in a hole where a bolt is on a Ford that, you know, you have to actually take the socket over to a grinder and grind down the diameter of it so you can get it in there, make it a thin wall on your own. Nobody's gonna be there going, oh yeah, you could do that, it'll hold up just fine. No, it probably won't, okay? So you should buy the actual specific tool from a reputable brand name vendor, uh, such as Mac or Snap-on or Matco. When we talk about tool guys and we talk about all these other guys, the Matco guy, the, the Mac guy, and, and a Cornwell guy, I where I am now, we have a Cornwell vendor and he's a really super nice guy and their tools seem okay, but I have no basis for that opinion, none. Uh, I did actually buy a drop light from him, but if you... If you're familiar with me, if you know me, if you've ever talked to me, or even if you just listen to me talk, which I don't recommend doing very often, but <laughs> but if you if you know me, you know that I am a, a trouble light or a work light junkie. Every goddamn work light there is out there, I have bought and used, and right now I currently have about five of them in my toolbox. And uh, if you wanted to uh, hit me up. On the Facebook page, I'll tell you which ones are best and which ones suck. Uh, I'm not going to do that here. That's not what this forum is about. But uh, I I buy work lights. I buy thousands of them, destroyed thousands of them. I have know the pros and cons of work lights. So I bought one from the Cornwell guy. And so far, the jury's out on whether it's a good one or a bad one. It uh, doesn't seem like the battery lasts too long in it. But uh, that's not... Uh, that's not the worst thing that a trouble light can do. You know, it's a rechargeable one. That's the only kind you really want to have anymore. So you don't want to be out there buying batteries. If you got a trouble light that requires batteries and you keep putting batteries in it, you need to stop doing that. Okay, well, you get yourself a a, a little the, the uh, small USB port cable and a and a USB thing that goes into the uh, electrical outlet and charge that thing up every night and come in and you're ready to go. That's that's what you need to do. Stop putting batteries and stuff, okay, boys? But I digress. I have bought, like I said, I have bought something from the Cornwell guy. He's a super nice guy. He drops off flyers. Their tools are priced right in line with everybody else's, the Mac and Maco and, and the Snap-on guy. Uh, I'm not sure about the quality yet. Like I said, I haven't bought any hand tools or anything, just the trouble light. Uh, with the Mac and the Maco guys, they're the same. They're the same deal. The, the prices on their tools are pretty much within the same range as each other. There are people who go specifically with Mac and eschew uh, Snap-on tools. I suppose it depends entirely upon who is coming to your shop and who is timely, who comes in on a regular basis. Now, like I said before, uh, everywhere I've worked, the Snap-on guy is always there. Okay, we had one flake uh, Snap-on guy who ended up quitting on us, and he rarely, if ever, showed up. He was obviously not interested in doing the job anymore, and his uh, performance at his job uh, showed seemingly every day. And that was just one Snap-on guy, and then he was replaced by another guy who came in and picked up the route. And, and he was good. He was real good. He was an old timer. He'd been doing it for a long time. And uh, he was a little uh, 
I guess the, the terminology would be taciturn. He was uh, not in the mood for any kind of shenanigans. He was not super personable. He was a nice guy, but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna tell you a joke or two. He wasn't gonna offer you candy from the dashboard of his truck. He wasn't gonna you know he wasn't gonna do any of the extracurricular stuff. He was just gonna sell you tools, and that was it. And if you didn't like them, you didn't have to buy them. And if you liked them, you bought them. And if you wanted to, he'd keep a truck account open for you. Nice guy. So he was a welcome relief from the guy before him. As a matter of fact, just a little funny story. The uh, the guy before him was a guy named Rob, and he he uh, he was it was pretty obvious he didn't want to do it anymore. And so he showed up one time, and he hadn't showed up for about three or four weeks. And I had picked up a plate frame on one of my trips to. <laughs> I had picked up a plate frame on one of my trips to Harbor Freight that said, I love Harbor Freight or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was just one of those black plastic plate frames. And I think it was a dollar. And while his truck was at our shop, and like I said, he hadn't been there in about three or four weeks, I went out and screwed it onto his truck. And then he quit shortly after that. Never actually heard uh, the story of whether or not he found it or not. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, somebody pointed it out to him at some point in time, but, uh, and I, I can't imagine that even uh, sitting at a stoplight behind a snap on a truck and on the plate frame it says, I love Harbor Freight Tools. Uh, I'm a, that's the kind of prick I am, though. I'm a clown. Listen, don't do the things that your Uncle Jimmy does, okay? Because nobody takes me seriously, and it's, it's fine with me. I don't care anymore. But uh, if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to be, if you want to be, be somebody who other people, technicians and other people in your shop look up to and and perhaps even promote to different positions such as maybe a foreman or a dispatcher or maybe even a service manager which is seriously unlikely but don't behave in the manner in which I behave okay just don't do it because uh, people start to get the idea that you don't give a shit and uh, in my particular case they're right but when we're talking about tool guys what it comes down to in a lot of cases is a brand loyalty but I, I feel like that brand loyalty, as far as tools go, is not really something that anybody's counting on. Not you, not them, not the tool guy, not the guy next to you or anybody. What you should have is a loyalty to tools that do the goddamn job. Now, here's an example of what I'm talking about. You can buy brake line tubing benders from a lot of different places. I mean, you can go on, uh, you can go online and buy them from there's literally thousands uh, of uh, outlets where you could buy tools and you could buy a brake line bender at all of them and you can go on to eBay and find uh, vendors who are just selling ones that they either don't have that they don't have a use for anymore or that they don't need well I guess it's the same thing I apologize uh, being redundant but uh, you, you can you can buy one from guys on eBay. You can go uh, onto a Facebook Marketplace and probably find some guys selling tools, and there's going to be one there. Uh, you know, you can get them anywhere. But when I worked up north, and I was up north for a long period of time, did a lot of brake lines, and it's just a fact of life up there. Okay, they spread this, they spread salt on the road in the winter time. Salt mixes with the snow, becomes salt water, which is in the top five of the most corrosive substances on this planet and it eats the shit out of steel it eats the shit out of it okay if you're from the south and you're not really familiar with rust uh let me tell you something salt water eats the shit out of steel i can't even say it loud and proud enough okay it eats the shit out of it okay 
What you end up with is frames that actually rot in half. Frames, car frames, the whole, the backbone, the spine of a car rotting right in half. And not like after 20 years. We're talking after five years and maybe 10, okay, if you're lucky. Okay, if you rinse it off every once in a while. That that shit that they put on the road so that we can drive when there's bad weather out destroys our vehicles. It just, just completely destroys them. And in the process, it rots brake lines like nothing you've ever seen before. Now, at the Independent I was at, we did a lot of brake lines for a lot of different vehicles and it's, it's a fact of life. And after a while, you either get good at it or you just hate it. I mean, you can hate it and be good at it or you can be good at it and not mind it like I did. I didn't mind doing brake lines. I saw it as a challenge and I was actually pretty good at it. And one of the things, and I I know I'm going on and on and on, and I apologize, that's what I do here at Grease the Wheels. I go on and on and on about shit nobody cares about. But let me just tell you this, okay? Real quick, there's a brake line bender that they sell at Harbor Freight, and it's really, if you look at it, it's kind of a cheap little piece of shit, and, and I think it's 10 bucks, okay? But this thing is really small, and if you gotta make even up to a 180 degree bend in a line, and it's gotta be tight, this little bender is the best fucking bender I've ever seen. I've got six different benders. Some that I bought from restoration tool places and maybe even Snap-on. I don't even know where I got them all, to be honest with you. But this little cheap piece of shit from Harbor Freight does the fucking job better than anything I've ever bought. And, and maybe if you have to make brake lines and you need to make like a really sharp, like 180 degree bend in a line, which, you know, it can happen. It was common in one of the vehicles I did brake lines in a lot. This little bender is the cat's ass. It's awesome. There's not much to it. It's just two pieces of, of cast that looks like aluminum. And there's a metal pin through the middle of it that it pivots on and boom, that's it. There's nothing to it. So it's not that expensive to make. They paint it blue. Yay. Okay, I'm fine with that. And they sell it and it doesn't cost anything and it does the job. And nobody else, here's the kicker, nobody else sells anything like it. Now, if they heard me rave about it, they might take a look at it and say, maybe we should make something like this. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, maybe you should. But even as poorly made as it is, and as, as crappy as it looks, it does the goddamn job. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that your loyalty should be to the tools that you use on a daily basis. And it should be to tools that work and do the job. Now, uh, here's another example. We have a specific, at where I work, the German car manufacturer, they have a specific, I guess the best term for it is, it's kind of gross, is butt splice, which I don't like. A wire splice, perhaps, uh, where you, you know, you put a wire in one end, you crimp it down, then you put the broken end of the other end of the wire into the other end after you strip it back a little bit and you clamp it down. Okay, now these, these are the best things I've ever seen in my life. They're just these little tiny stamped, possibly aluminum pieces of metal they're bent in such a manner that uh you know you put the wire in there and then you take a tool and you you crimp it down and the manufacturer has their own specific tool made somewhere in germany and it's extremely complicated and overwrought for crimping these down but i have found myself personally that the crimp tools that are made by these tool manufacturers snap-on and mac and maco they work just as well okay but what I have found in my experience is that the one that is made by Mac is the best one. The Snap-on one, eh, kind of flimsy actually, and doesn't do the job as well as the Mac one. The Mac one I've had probably 15 years. I've repaired the wiring on probably a thousand cars. 
uh, for various reasons, whether it was that the module and the wiring and the connector were all underwater and they got corroded real bad or maybe a rodent got at it and chewed them up. That seems to be happening in a lot as well. Or maybe just something interfered with it and chopped it or chafed it. Uh, for whatever reason, I fix a lot of wiring and I really mean it, a lot of wiring. And the, the best tool I have for crimping those wires together is the Mac tool. So there's, there's that. I tell people all the time, so you gotta get one of these, get the Mac one. And that's where your fellow technicians come into the picture, okay? If they tell you that something works the way it's supposed to, or better than somebody else's tool, you take their word for it. You're not going to want to stick with your brand loyalty in that particular case, just because it may not work out for you. Now, here's another thing, another part of, of this whole process too. If you're a technician, you typically know what you need to do the job. And in some cases, the manufacturer might provide it. And in some other cases, maybe some wild company that you've never heard of before also provides it. This is where you wanna ask your fellow technicians if it's a better idea to use the factory tool or use this uh, aftermarket tool, I guess you would say, or perhaps maybe look for something that would work even better. Uh, one of the things I'm talking about here is uh, on some of the engines that we work on, some of the fuel lines are very difficult to get at and you need uh, a crow's foot, a kind of a crow's foot arrangement to get the, the tube nuts off. And once you got them cracked loose, you can spin them off with your hand, which is not too difficult. But you need this specific crow's foot and you need a size 14 millimeter and you need a size 17 millimeter. And uh, if you're out there listening to this and you recognize what I'm talking about, you probably work for BMW. But uh, the factory tools are really not very good. They, 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 they will do the job, but they don't do the job very well. And another company has come up with a set of crow's foot tools that work way much better. They work way, way, way much better. And so a lot of us have that particular set of crow's foot tools. And uh, that's, and I'm not even sure the name of the brand on it. It's not, it's not Snap-on and it's not Mac. Uh, it's some other brand of tools. So you need to find what's gonna work for you. You need to be involved with your own specific search for tools. Now, when we're talking about tool guys, and I wanna wrap this up because I'm going a little long and I hate that when I do that, but when you're talking about tool guys, you gotta try to be good to the good ones. And you gotta kinda stay away from the bad ones. And you might have your own criteria for what makes a good tool guy a good tool guy, and that's fine. You know, you have to figure out for yourself what makes a tool guy a good guy, all right? I have nearly all of the tools I need to do the job. So if, if a tool guy comes over to me and he hands me a flyer and he asks me if I need anything, typically the answer is no, I'm good. And then if they start pulling stuff out of their bag to show me stuff that they wanna sell or have on sale, uh, a lot of times I go, yep, I got it, got it, got that, had that, don't want it no more. You know, it's one of those deals. But I always try to be polite and pay attention and I don't, you know, I wanna, I wanna be friends with the, I, I don't, I wanna say I wanna be friends with the guy. I, I typically like the tool guys that come into the shop uh, I understand what they're up to. I understand that they're there to help me. Uh, the problem is, is that I'm not very helpful for them when I say I don't need anything. But that doesn't mean that I'm gonna buy stuff from them just to buy stuff from them, just to give them money. I'm not gonna typically do that. Uh, if they're uh, if they're a good tool guy and they've talked to a lot of technicians, they probably there's probably days where they don't sell any tools and they just go around and try to collect money and they're also thwarted in that event too. So listen, keep the tool guy 
happy as happy as you possibly can without uh, breaking your own bank. If you need a tool, by all means, hit them up. They're pretty good at sourcing tools. A lot of them sell other brands and other makes of tools. And uh, and if they know that you need something, maybe they can get it for you. Maybe it can. Maybe it'll be reasonable. Uh, a lot of them, I think, suffer from the fact that we can go online and buy tools and have them shipped in as places like Tooltopia. Anyway, that's enough about tools. We've talked about tools before. We're going to talk about tools some more in the future. This is just a thing about tool guys and tool. We're going to probably do another episode about tool websites. Uh, but if you got one that you use, we want to hear about those too. Because uh, actually, I'm a tool junkie, like I said at the beginning of the show. And it actually will buy tools that I don't need just because I like them, okay? I know some of us do that. All right, that's enough for your Uncle Jimmy here. I'm going to sign off for now. Listen, hit us up on Facebook. We're trying to get you guys on the show with us. Uh, Facebook is the best place to contact us about that. Also, if you want to leave a comment or leave some feedback or tell me how much I suck, Facebook would be a great place for that, okay? So let's hear it. Let's hear what you got to say. Let's hear what you think. And uh, for right now, This is your Uncle Jimmy. I'm going to sign off saying see ya.